When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No investigation necessary. Welcome to VEASAN's F1 Betting Podcast. It's lights out, away we go, go, go. Oh, Checo is a legend. Absolute animal. The only F1 handicap you'll ever need. Mike, this isn't right. And the championship can only be won by one. Here are your hosts, F1 technical analyst, Mikhail Miranda, and betting expert, Ben Wilson. It is so good to be back, Mikhail, on the VEASAN Formula One betting podcast. I know we're still in summer break, technically. We're basically one more week of just trying to bide our time, watch a bunch of meaningless NFL preseason football, and then we're back with the final home stretch of the 2023 season, Dutch Grand Prix next weekend. But I'm Mikhail, glad to be back for my own little mini vacation. We have an exciting week of uh, pods coming up. You're going to do one solo with Michael Lombardi talking uh, leadership, which I'm excited to listen to. You you guys are going to handle that later in the week. But we're going to talk some second-half impressions, teams you are looking, who you hope can do a little bit more on the grid and have number two, Mikhail. So fun uh, week we've got in store on the pod. Absolutely. Um, I'm just excited to finally be able. Now, I just got to say, these are the top three teams. I should probably do a top five, but the last two, honestly, it's just, uh, just we've had too much headaches with them. It's just like, ah, oh, guys, come on already. You got to get your act together, right? So we're just in the top three who actually can make a difference and can make it better through the second half of the season. I, I just want to preface that before we go any further because there's, there's a lot of teams we could talk about, but these three teams, I do honestly believe, could listen to us and make that change that we do need. Right. Well, two of the teams have been complete afterthoughts on the grid so far. And I don't know anybody who's really been betting them consistently, but I want to start with the one that does not fit the bill as far as just similarities between the three teams we're talking about. So again, these are are your three top teams, Mikhail, that need to make an impression second half of the season. I want to start with Aston Martin because they came out, had a rocket ship of a car, but it seems like as the competition has made their own adjustments, their own upgrades, Aston Martin's been left a little bit in the dust. Their own upgrades have not hit the way that the offseason upgrades certainly made a big splash at the start of the year. And we went from betting Fernando Alonso pretty consistently at good value to finish in the podium to 
not really having a ton of confidence outside of certain spots for Aston Martin to even even get in the top six with a Fernando and and for Lance Stroll, he's been fighting just to get in the points here. So where are you at right now with, with the Aston Martin now that we've had a little bit of time to decompress, get into this summer break? I think the whole reason why Aston Martin got hyped up a lot was just due to the fact that Mercedes were underperforming by a lot, right? So the, the reason why Mercedes underperformed was that they thought their concept from last year, which was no side pods, was a great way to go for this season and realized that halfway through the first half that it's not going to work. They thought they could control the aerodynamics from the top when everything for this set of regulations, the aerodynamics has come from the underfloor, right? So that's where Mercedes won the back foot and Aston Martin saw that. They saw that with the Red Bull and they were like, all right, that's doing something that we should be looking at, right? And then the other thing was uh, Ferrari was in the talks last year when the regulations first came out, and this year they dropped off. So when we saw a team that was fighting with Red Bulls and we saw they could probably be the only team in contention currently, but they dropped the ball. Everyone dropped the ball with the regulations coming into this season, right? It was a blank slate last year, so we don't know who was going to do what. And this year... We sort of had an idea, but everyone dropped the ball except Aston Martin where they're like, oh, we have to change this for right now. And so they did. They adapted the right way. They were able to move forward. So what has happened from the start of the season to right now? That comes down to the fact that everyone played catch up. Everyone caught up. And then we actually saw Troop and Sorry. True potential being released from the cars. Now, so now that we're seeing what other teams are able to do, we can see that they can take the fight further, right? So, the Aston Martin does not like high downfall circuits. It can do good with low and medium. and But the McLarens can, they love a low downfall circuit because they're damn quick in a straight line. So does the Williams, right? So we're seeing teams who are choosing certain areas of the car to develop. And for the second half of the first half, it played to that strength. Sure. And bottom line, seems like given the similarities in strengths of cars, McLaren has clearly surpassed Aston Martin with with where the strength is at. And when you consider that you have uh, still a unproven really driver i would argue in lance stroll who has just been uh, mr you know mr nepotism in, in the aston martin car uh, as a result that team is just weaker as as opposed to a couple of rising stars in Orlando norris and then a rookie in oscar piastri as great as fernando alonso is as the lead aston martin that's why i'm kind of on a and i, I you know i gave you a hard time for uh, for betting fernando to finish in the top six in our, in our last uh, race pod just because i'm Kind of out on Aston until they can prove to me they've made some sort of adjustments going forward. So I, I like that you included them on your list because they have like the potential is there. Just got to make an adjustment to get back uh, to that that early season form there for Aston Martin. You know the other two teams uh, are completely on the opposite side here, Mikhail. That I mean I don't think you I anybody has been touching with a ten foot pole. I know you were interested in backing Daniel Ricciardo in his debut race for AlphaTauri once Nick DeVries was. Uh, very weirdly canned, just kind of out of nowhere, no points in his rookie season, just got the axe uh, as, as Alfa Tauri, the sister team to Red Bull, maybe wanting to get Daniel Ricciardo some reps, 
see if maybe Sergio Perez continued to struggle for the Red Bull. If maybe Ricardo had a little little oomph in his car, maybe he could be an option for next year in the Red Bull. Either way, Alva Tauri have been very rare recording points on the grid. Same thing goes for uh, Alfa Romeo, where it's basically been Valtteri Bottas, and uh, and and that's about it. So uh, with those two teams, how do you how do you think a path actually works to go forward as far as actually getting into the points and being bettable? Because I don't think anybody has either of these teams even close to their radar as far as actually wanting to make a weekly bet. So we have sort of uh, readjust our views for AlphaTauri, right? They thought that their car was really good and that they had a young driver pairing who could perform really well. That's not the case. The car is very temperamental as it gets into corners. They don't have a driver parent, or they didn't have a driver parent that was able to sort of give them a the, the right feedback to the engineers. Like, hey, when I get into this corner, the car isn't doing what I need. What I needed to do here. Here's how you fix this. They didn't have that experience because Yuki Tsunoda has not performed as a winner. Right now, he has performed as a person who's in Formula One as a driver in Formula One, but not as a winner. So he can't give that feedback. Nick DeVries was a rookie, so he was unable to give that feedback because the only car he's only tested has been the Williams, Aston Martin, and but that's in sort of practice conditions. It wasn't really in as a proper racing driver. So they thought that they had that pairing and they. Notice that Nick DeVries does not live up to the potential, so he's unable to do that. And they terminated his contract, defeated effective immediately, so that they could have 12 races to catch up rather than 10. Right? I saw that. So they're like, all right, so we can either have 10 races to catch up or we can have 12. They chose to do the 12. They chose to get Daniel Ricciardo in as quickly as possible to help catch up on some points because they they potentially could catch up at points here, right? So if Daniel Ricciardo could give them the feedback exactly what the Red Bull was doing because he was a test driver out there, if we can give that benchmark and be like, all right, this is what your parent team's doing, right? You need to hit these targets. Here's what I'm feeling with this car. Here's how you change it. It gives the engineering team a bit more time to go and look at the car to be able to do something now. I don't think they'll be able to change the car entirely this season, but they might be able to introduce some upgrade that allows the car to perform on some sort of level closer to Red Bull than where they started the season. And it's, the issue is when you talk about a temperamental car, it's the fact that you have a young driver, Nuki Sonoda, who is kind of a temperamental driver in his own right. And so that has not resulted in a great concoction of sorts. Sonoda's been able to record a, a number of points, finishes several, but they've all been you know, right in that ninth, tenth uh, range as well. The Alfa Romeo storyline is that about Valtteri Bottas comes out during the summer break and said uh, the team have not hit any of their targets for the first half as far as, as the upgrades go. And that's, you know, that is a driver with pedigree who is part of a bunch of championship uh, winning teams in the past with the Mercedes. So you definitely take his word uh, pretty wholeheartedly, right, Mikhail, as far as a guy who he, he knows when there's a car that is flying. And uh, to say the least, Alfa Romeo is not a car that is flying right now. Absolutely. Alfa Romeo have got to listen to Valtteri Bottas and how, on how the cars respond. Because if you go back to when he started, he was with Williams. Williams is able to finish fifth in the constructors. So he's got points there. Total Wolves or something in him. Call him up to Mercedes. Was number two 
to Lewis Hamilton. He was the number two driver. He set the standard for what a number two driver should be. And he did that over and over again. So I'm pretty sure that he's he knows what feedback to give the race engineers. So the question now comes down to why have Alfa Romeo not hit their targets, right? Where does the issue lie? Because it's supposed to be a well-balanced car all round. Yet any of the upgrades that are brought to the car don't seem to be helping to make it faster. Where is Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri all looking at in the grand scale of things? Because we know Aston Martin changed their car completely this season, able to get ahead. Alfa Tauri just need the right amount of feedback to come through. And then we have Valtteri Bottas giving the right feedback, but nothing is happening. Right? Is that going to be a team thing? Is that a driver parent thing? Or what exactly is that thing needs to be looked at? Because as far as I can see, the car is well balanced. So what are their performance targets as they head into the second half of the season? And again, we're talking about the two teams, at least in AlphaTauri and Alfa Romeo. At the bottom of the grid, Bottas has recorded nine points all on his own. Joe Guan Yu yet to record a points finish. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, three different 10th place finishes. AlphaTauri plumb last in the table, a whole 500 points uh, behind Red Bull. Not not exactly where you want to be, but again, they're, they're not going to win. It's all about uh, just, just trying to show a little bit of improvement to carry over into next year. And that's what we're trying to isolate here in the back end of the 2023 season. We'll go into some of our news and notes. There's one big headline I want to get your take on, Mikhail. We're going to do that after a short break as we wrap up our intermission summer break special here on the VEASAN F1 Betting Podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. Welcome to VEASAN's F1 Betting Podcast. The only F1 handicap you'll ever need. Here are your hosts, F1 technical analyst Mikhail Miranda and betting expert Ben Wilson. All right, we're back. Time to talk Ferrari because we sort of have to. We're like contractually obligated Mikhail as our last. Not, not a ton of news and notes. This is a dead period, so to speak, of the F1 season, but... Here you go. Charles Leclerc officially admits Ferrari had to, quote, reset their expectations in 2023 after the first race of the year. And that is just an interesting quote because it is in stark contrast to the team boss, Frederick Vasseur, insisting that the team, you know, they only need to find a few tenths of lap time and they'll be challenging for wins again. So who, who is right? Who is wrong here, Mikhail? Could both be right and both be wrong? <laughs> well, that would be very uh, Ferrari-esque, would it not? It would be. But let's look at this from Fred's point of view. Frederick came to the team that was challenging Red Bull last season, right? He looked at the team he's like, all right, we can do this. Ferrari just dropped the ball when he came through. It was a lot to do with driver errors and reliability issues so they were working on trying to fix those issues which they did then came the performance standard which is where charles leclerc comes in we have not hit our targets well of course charles you don't hit your target because the car was unreliable so what frederick was was focusing on was making sure is that your car is reliable you want to know how we know that it's because after the first race you took a a grip penalty have you taken a grip penalty since then when it came to all parts? You have not. Frederick Vassar looked and said, we have reliability issue. We have solved that. Now it's time to look at the performance issue, which they are looking at. So they had to, they had to revise everything they had when they had the, the issues due to durability, right? And the whole reason why that that's there. Well, that's important is all those issues were focused on the ICE, the internal combustion engine, the entire engine project, the powertrain, right, has been halted till 2026. We're in a, a homologation period. So you can't make any upgrades to the power unit. So they had to focus on f- fixing that issue because the FIA does say, if you guys have... Any issues with the durability on the engine, you can go back and revise it to make sure that it is good. So that's where they focus most of their departments on, able to fix that issue, and now notice that there is a drop in performance. They need to get that back. And we are seeing some of that performance come back, 
right? Just look. It's just that we have drive errors, we have strategy errors, and I think we have leadership errors as well. And I'm going to talk about Ferrari a little bit more in depth in terms of leadership with Michael Lombardi right. on Wednesday's episode. So you guys get a a leadership point of view and how the team should be operating and how it is operating. But from my perspective, when I'm looking at the team, I see a big, big gap in leadership out there. And That's a nice tease, by the way, for, for Wednesday's show. Well, very professionally done, Mikhail. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> Anybody watching? And remember, let's go back to the start of the year, our our first uh, episode. I mean, you and I both like Charles Leclerc as as a pretty compelling, longer shot to win the Drivers' Championship, which seems just insane and stupid in retrospect. But we really, really thought with where Ferrari was at from a leadership perspective last year, bringing in Frederick Vasseur would be the you know, would be the boost they'd need. I mean, I have I have Leclerc, uh, I have Leclerc in pocket five to one to win the drivers' championship. Uh, he should be. He's about a million to one. At least he should be. He's not winning the drivers' championship. He's been. He's, the team has not been good. So it just sort of shows you, yeah, relative to the expectations. Um, it's it's been bad. That's that's why as we wrap up today, I'm, I want to get your thoughts. So we we know Red Bull is going to win the uh, is the, win both the drivers and the constructors. But if you had to handicap right now, your picks two through four. In the constructors, you have Mercedes on 247 points, Aston Martin on 196, Ferrari on 191, and then McLaren trying to chase with their their last three races being excellent at 103. Does McLaren crash into the top four? Where does Ferrari finish? Where are your second half predictions lying there, Mikhail, on our on our, our best of the rest, basically, uh, you know, that second tier of the pack after the the dominant force, that, which is Red Bull at the top? So I tease this on the on the rise episode last week so if you haven't listened to that do go and listen to on the rise it will be linked in the description as well but so where do i see mclaren coming up when in, in that battle between two through four here's how i see it right mercedes are a bit too high up they're going to take second right there you have aston and ferrari fighting they have a one point difference I think that Aston have some upgrades to bring. Now, is those upgrades going to work in relative to the cars that's coming up the tracks? It's going to be 50-50. It's going to be a swing. It's going to come down to the driver eventually. So I don't see Aston Martin scoring that high because I cannot trust Lance Stroll to score points consistently for Aston Martin. So I do see Aston Martin sort of taking a bit bit more uh dive in terms of points ferrari seem to be finding some bit pace a lot more they're fighting up their top six consistently with both drivers the issue then comes down to strategy they always seem to get buffed just as we think that they're doing really well they're up there they're going well they're going well they're going well come in pit and now you're finishing 10th and 11th why? Why did you get them into the pits? For what reason? Just let them drive the race. So uh, if these strategy errors keep occurring, we could see Ferrari sort of stagnate as well. But the team that does seem to be on a track to fighting for third in the constructors is McLaren. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's if you look at their pace... It's a complete 180, right? They were fighting for 17th through 19th at the start of the season, and now they're fighting for P2 
Oscar Piastri is talented. Lando Norris is talented, right? And I think Oscar Piastri is a good wake-up call for Lando Norris as well. Look at his talent. It's going to be a threat now for Lando. Lando needs to bring it up now. He's going to be like, all right, I'm the leader of this team. And I have my number two driver scoring second in sprint races and coming pretty close in the points. All right, guys, let's step it up. Hand me the ball. Let's step it up to get this stuff going. And I think they're going to do that coming up, especially with low downforce tracks coming up for the in the second half of the season. McLaren are going to score some really good points. They're going to catch up really quickly because I don't see them having many strategy errors in terms of race days. They have their strategy errors when it comes down to weather. They just still don't know how to navigate that. And that's all right. All right. Because we know that once they have whatever strategy they're going in through the weekend, their racing strategies are really good. They'll pit Lando when he needs to pit and get him out when he needs to get out. So that's what I love about McLaren as we go through here in terms of Aston and Ferrari and Mercedes. Right, Mercedes seem to sort of pick it up, but Aston Martin is sort of fighting Ferrari now for that place. So there's going to be that battle. And McLaren are just going to sneak in and be like, hey guys, you said that the papaya cloud was out. Here we are and we're going past you guys. Because while they're fighting for scraps in a round P10 to P6 for Aston and Ferrari, McLaren will be like, you know what? Let's take the fight to Red Bull. I do believe that they could be the team to take the fight to Red Bull in the coming years. See, I mean, based on the trajectory, it, it would make, uh, make a lot of sense. I mean, we've been high, especially now that the proof is in the pudding on McLaren. I mean, no reason why. The, the, steps, you know, the steps are there. The progression should be right in front of them. Uh, Ten races left, by the way. Two more in Europe, Dutch Grand Prix next weekend, then we go to Monza, and then the Asian swing in the fall, back to this, we still have the two races left in the States, of course, everybody here in Vegas, Mikhail excited for the Las Vegas Grand Prix in November, so a very exciting stretch, uh, this has been that, that brief downtime, I'll be fascinated to see, you know, you'll be, you'll be digging through all the, all the data, all the practice reports as soon as the teams come back out onto the grid next week in preparation for the Dutch Grand Prix. Just before we sign off, Ben, just before we sign off, right? If you remember in the very first episode this season, of course you don't, <laughs> I gave out a DraftKings parlay that looked very interesting to me. I want to know if you recall Wasn't that, wasn't that Leclerc to win the drivers and uh, Rebel no, 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 to win no, no, the no, constructors? No, no, no. no, no, no. That, that was a bet that I was looking at. And I jumped on Charles Leclerc, same as you, but I jumped on it one race late because I got 16 to 1. I was looking at that. But there was one, a parlay, that really looked good. Do Max Verstappen have... to win nine straight races? <laughs> no, it was Max Verstappen to win the drivers and Red Bull to win the constructors. Do you remember what the odds were for that? I mean, you were getting, you were getting plus money on that. That was even money. Yeah, I was say plus hundred, even money. Yeah, that, that was that was wow. even money. Does that seem like a steal now? I mean, it's always easy in retrospect, but yeah, I'm so I, I'm I took that because again, given what was happening last year, but I still took Charles Leclerc on his own on his own ticket, which let me down completely. But I did say that there was a reason when I was looking at any of the testing that went on in Barcelona and Bahrain, right? 
a lot of people think that looking at the testing that it doesn't allow you to make any decisions come for the season because a lot of teams would be holding back performance especially error wise they'll be hiding a lot of things they will taking older engines that are worn out and just running that this is going to be your pro tip all right start paying attention to your preseason runs it's going to help you handicap pro tip any any futures in the formula one market yeah, I, no, I think that's uh, that's a very good way to look at it. It's been very beneficial this year, especially with how uh, how the preseason, especially Aston Martin as well as Red Bull, has translated uh, into twenty twenty three. So that's great. Thanks for uh, for for reminding me of that. Uh, now I feel bad. I didn't get. I did not make that bet, <laughs> as I'm sure anybody who didn't is also wondering the same thing. So uh, that'll do us for us today. Again, stay tuned later on in the pod feed this week. Mikhail with Michael Lombardi. Uh, talking some general performance and leadership based topics. Talking Red Bull and Mercedes in particular. Uh, when we come back next week on our full normal episode, we'll, we'll, we'll resume uh, with the full breakdown. Dutch Grand Prix coming up next weekend. So really excited for that. Uh, as we now sign off for Mikhail, I'm Ben. We'll catch you next time right here on the VEASAN Formula One betting podcast. Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.